I'm excited you guys are here. My name is Sam Lee. I, I get the privilege of being able to work with the kids and the students, young adults here at Authentic. And I'm excited because I get the honor to be able to bring a word to you guys this week. When I talked to Pastor Mac, I got, I got super excited. He said, I need you to bring a word. And I said, all right, let's go. What is it going to be on? And he sent me the text. And I got even more excited as I began to read the text. And I'm excited to get into it. We've been reading through Ephesians. Has anybody read through Ephesians ever? Here we go. I hope majority of the people who are raising their hands because we've been reading through Ephesians as a church. And we've been memorizing scripture. How many of you guys know that memorizing scripture is powerful? It is actually the most powerful thing that you can choose to memorize. A couple of weeks ago, I was hanging out with some of my friends, and the age-old question, the debate came up, who's better, LeBron or Michael Jordan? I can already hear the rustles in the crowd right now. People are smiling. You've already got your ideas. You've already got your, your own philosophy, and, and here's the deal. I'm not here to debate that at all. Matter of fact, I couldn't tell you who's better. Not going to lie to you. I couldn't tell. But two of my other friends were sitting down together, and they were in a heated debate, guys. Like, faces scrunched up kind of a debate. Like, they are go, they like spit flying out of their mouth as they're debating who's better. Is it, is it LeBron or is it Michael Jordan? So much to the point, so much to the fact that one of my friends said, you know what? I can end this right now. He said, I'm going go to my, I'm gonna go to my room. I'm going to grab my laptop. On my laptop, I have a spreadsheet of all of the data, the breakdowns of each of their seasons compared to one another and which one is better than the other. Like legitimately, and I was like, hey man, you really don't have to do that. He's like, no, I'm going to get it. And I'm like, hey man, I, I really don't care too much about it. Like, no, 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 let me just go get it really quick. He comes back, he's like, man, it's dead. And I'm like, okay, it's okay. He's like, I put it on the charger. And I'm like, oh no, no, good, you don't have to do that. He comes back, he shows me, he knows all the stats. He's memorized them, he's got them down. He knows why, why, why MJ is better than LeBron. He's got it all memorized. And I sat there and I thought to myself, that's fun, that's cute. But memorizing scripture, there's actual power and authority in memorizing scripture. Maybe you haven't actually started to see the power and the authority, but when you start to memorize scripture, things begin to change in the spirit. Things begin to then change in your reality. See, memorizing who's better, MJ or LeBron, won't get you to eternity. Memorizing who's better, MJ or LeBron, won't bring you a peace, but a scripture. Memorized. Stored in your heart can change your whole reality. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 today. I hope that you guys are choosing to memorize scripture. It begins and it says this, verse 1. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Somebody underline, underline that right there. This is the first command with a promise. We'll come back to that. If you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on this earth. I love how simple it is. It's just like, hey, honor your mom and your dad, and you're going to have a good life, and you're going to be able to live for a long time. It's just really simple. I, I, I laughed at it whenever I, I read it, but, but I don't personally have any children. I'm, I'm sure that some of the parents in this room right now are really hoping that this is the scripture that we're teaching your kids. Um, over in the kids today, you're really hoping that you're, we're teaching them, obey your mother and your father. I, I'm sure that's what some of you guys are thinking right now. I don't have any kids per se, but I just got myself a brand new puppy. Uh, he's a cutie. His name is Ollie. I think we have a picture of him right here. 
And, and though I don't have a child, I am learning a little bit about discipline with Ollie. See, dogs are cute in pictures, and they're cute whenever they come up and meet you, and they lick your fingers and everything else. But at that moment when you ask Ollie, hey, Ollie, it's time to come in the house, and it's 4 a.m. in the morning because he needs to use the restroom, and he looks at you, and he darts off into the dark. And I'm like, no, no, Ollie, come, come here, bud, come here. And he's just running around in circles. He's at the zoomies. He's just flying. And I'm like, no, Ollie, this is sleep time. This is not the obedience. I'm like, come on, man, just obey me, please. Last night, it almost it pushed me to the edge, man, it almost pushed me to the edge. And I just stopped back, and I said, man, Ollie, you're a cute dog, man. You are a cute dog. Obey your mother and your father. Father just goes on and says this, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Somebody said, yes. <laughs> Must have been a kid, I don't know. <laughs> Rather bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. I remember when I found out about the scripture, it became ammo. I'm not going to lie to you. I'd heard the scriptures all the time, obey your mother and father. And then when I read this scripture, I was like, I'm waiting for the moment that someone in the church tells me, obey your mother and father. And then I'm going to say, but parents, don't make your children angry. Don't provoke them. And I waited years and years and years, and opportunities presented themselves, but I didn't want to lose my life, so I didn't decide to bring this up in a heated debate with my mother, and she was telling me, obey your mother and father. I was like, don't provoke me. Like, I don't know. <laughs> didn't do it. I wanted to keep my life. I, I couldn't even memorize the scripture at the moment. I was like, oh, man, what does that scripture say? Something, I don't know. <laughs> The scriptures go on. They say this, slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all of the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all of your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or we are free. See, this paragraph or portion of text is one that I would say that many people choose to read over and just pass by. We read this scripture right here. And I think we, we, we choose to pass by it many times for a couple of different reasons. First and foremost, if we took a poll in this room and we really asked you, do you believe it's always good to obey your mother and father? I'm pretty sure many people would be split. They wouldn't be sure if they really believe that you should always obey your mother and father. And then even more than that, the scripture goes on to talk about the relationship between a slave and his master. And so for many of us, that seems a little bit uncomfortable because it almost seems like Paul in some sort of a way is co-signing or agreeing with the notion of slavery. And so we, we just get really uncomfortable with these types of scriptures. And so we keep those scriptures there and we just skip right over. We pick the parts that we want out of it. Obey your mother and father. And we just, we just move right past it. And we don't really want much more to do with, with the scriptures. I think also the main reason why these scriptures disturb us and we wrestle with these scriptures is because it's asking us to do something that we really don't want to do. We really don't want to be obedient. No matter how much we want our kids to be obedient, no matter how much I want Ollie to be obedient, I can list off several times when I wasn't obedient to God even this week. And so at the core of it, at the heart of it, I think many of us, we find it hard to really digest the scriptures because we don't really want to be obedient. And maybe that's something that you struggle with. Maybe for some of you guys, you don't. 
But I think he's asking something that is extremely hard of us to do. But what I, if I was to sum up all of this portion of text right here, it would be that our obedience to earthly leaders is an extension of our devotion to God. Our obedience to leaders in our lives, whether that's your boss, whether that's a mentor, whether that's a pastor of yours, whatever kind of leader in your life, obedience to that leader is an extension of your devotion to God. What God is saying is that no longer will you live lives where your work life is here segmented out, your church life is segmented out here, your home life is segmented out here. He says, I'm actually coming to break down all of those boundaries. Now it's all one. When, you're actually, when you actually show up on time for your job and you put in hard work for your boss, you're doing that for me. When you slander your boss and you don't give good work, you're not giving good work to me. And so God is saying it's all connected. It's all one. Your obedience to earthly leadership is a reflection of your devotion and your heart towards me. And then in the scriptures, I ask you guys to underline a portion of the scripture where it talks about a promise. He reminds us that this is the first promise, this is the first commandment that's given that has a promise connected to it. And I think this is important for us to realize because it means that God finds an importance in us being obedient. That when we're obedient, if this is the first commandment that he chose to give a promise to, it must be important. And we talk about a reward. It says, God is going to reward you. And I know that we all get behind the promises of God. I know that we all get behind the rewards of God. But do we get behind the obedience to God? Do we get behind the obedience to leaders that God has placed in our lives? I, I feel like that might be the portion of the text that really bothers us. But we're all for the promises of God. But what I've come to realize is that the path to the promises of God are filled with steps of obedience. That our obedience actually opens up the possibility for us to be able to see promises take place in our life. And so for some of us in the room, there's, there's a blockage in the promises of God that he's been telling us, I have these promises for you. And the blockage is because we are not choosing to be obedient. The other day, I had to go in underneath my sink and take the pipes apart because it was a blockage and a lot of really nasty gunk came out of it. It was actually really disgusting. My wife saw me like gagging. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is terrible. But, but, but I think that a lot of times that's exactly what our lives become. They're blocked up by our disobedience. And so the promises of God are never allowed to actually flow through our life because we don't choose to be obedient. The title of my message is The Path to the Promise. The Path to the Promise. See, I think that we would choose any other path besides obedient, obedience. We would choose any other path, any other way. Do I just have to pay something? Do I, just have to, do I just have to do enough good stuff? Is that how I get to the promises of God? We would rather do all of those things than be requested and commanded to obedience. We would rather not do that. But I think that the reason why this is is because for many of us, we have the wrong perception of obedience. We have the wrong perception of even God in our lives. See, for many of us, we have a negative idea about obedience. We think of obedience, we think of punishment. We think of anger, we think of wrath, we think of shame, we think of condemnation. Anytime you start to hear anything about obedience, many of us, that's where our minds go to. But, but I believe that obedience is really about the heart of God and not about the wrath of God. See, the more we're obedient, we actually learn more about the heart of God. And matter of fact, as we begin to be obedient, we actually learn more about our own hearts. 
As we're, as we're taking steps of obedience, we're growing closer to the Father's heart. See, God never intended for our, obedience, our, our disobedience to, to, to divide us. For those moments when we feel like we're not being obedient, and we just want to run away from God and get so far away from him. He never intended for it to divide us. He actually intended for it to bring us closer together. But you're so, you're so consumed with your shame and viewing obedience as something that he's pushing you away. But obedience is actually him saying, come here, daughter. Come here, son. I actually want to be closer to you. And it reveals our heart towards Jesus. Jesus tells us in the scriptures that, that when you obey me, you're showing me that I love you. You're showing me your love towards me whenever you obey me. This is what he tells us. And so our obedience has a direct correlation with our love for the Father. This is what he tells us. And when we take steps of obedience, we start to learn more about the Father's heart. I'm reminded of the story of Abraham and Isaac. Some of you guys may have heard the story of Abraham and Isaac. Where Abraham is instructed to do something that none of us would ever want to do. Something that almost seems impossible. Something that, that when I first read, I, I was a little bit off-put by this specific task and command that God asked him to do. God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son. And so he says, Abraham, I need you to take Isaac, take him on a three-day journey. And when you get to a place for the altar, I want you to sacrifice your son for me. And so Abraham grabs his son, he grabs some servants with him. And guys, this is not just a five-minute walk up the road. This is a three-day hike. This is a three-day journey to a place where he is supposed to sacrifice his son out of obedience. Once again, when I read this, I wrestled with it. I thought, this is so wrong. This is so cruel. How could there be a God who would ask something like this? What I've realized in my life is that if I'm not wrestling with the scriptures, I'm probably not reading them. If you actually sit down and read the scriptures, and guess what? It's not wrong to wrestle with the scriptures. It's not wrong for you to question. It's not wrong for you to look at this situation and say, God, would you do something? Why would you do something like this? Because God always reveals his intentions. He always reveals his motives. And there they go. Abraham has now left the servants and walking up the hill to the altar. His son Isaac is saying, where's the sacrifice, dad? Abraham is having to tell him, God's going to provide. God's going to provide. And there they go. They meet them right there at the altar. He ties up his son, guys, on an altar, pulls out his knife to kill his son. And before coming down on his son, the angel of the Lord says, wait, 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 no, no, don't do it. Don't kill your son. I have seen that you're obedient. I have seen that you have obeyed. I have seen that you have trusted. I have seen that you believe in me. And so, so now, no, 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 don't kill your son. I actually have a whole nother sacrifice that I've prepared for you. I'm actually going to provide for you a totally different sacrifice. And they go and they grab the ram from the bush. They sacrifice it right then and there. And then God makes a promise to a man that affects every single person in this room. He says, I'm going to give you family. You can't even count. Your family will be able to go into places and be able to take charge of, of, of areas and tribes and nations. You'll, you'll have dominion over other peoples. And he says, I'm going to bless every other people through your people. Are you a person in this room? Are you breathing? Are you alive? Guess what? 
you're alive and you are blessed because of the obedience of one. Think about what your obedience can do. Think about what your obedience is going to do to your kids. Think about what your obedience is going to do to your kids' kids. Think about what your obedience is going to do to your home. Think about what your obedience is going to do to your job. Think about what your obedience is going to do to your mental state. Think about what your obedience can accomplish if one man's choice to be obedience could affect so many. Think about what your steps of obedience could be. I believe that there are many ways and reasons why we choose not to be obedient. And I want to just, I want to kind of just dive into them because I believe that, that there are many promises for God's people and we should be taking advantage of all the promises of God. But we have to get to the root of why we're not choosing obedience. And so the first reason why I believe that we don't choose obedience is fear. The first reason we don't choose obedience is because we're afraid. Many of us are afraid that if we choose obedience, it's going to mean that our life is going to change. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's true. (laughs) Steps of obedience in my life have always resulted in a change in my life. But many of us would rather live in the comfort of the lives that we have right now. I'd rather continue doing things the way that I have been doing them my whole entire life. I'd rather continue drinking the same thing that I've been drinking every single day. I'd rather continue hanging out with the same kind of people that I've hung out with for the rest, for the rest of my life. I'd rather continue to do the things that I'm doing. I don't really want my life to change. And so there's a fear in your heart that maybe your life might have to change. And I'm going to tell you off the bat, it will. Maybe your fear is actually of authority. I know many people who have struggled with this. Many people who have been hurt. Maybe you were hurt by a leader in your life. Maybe you were hurt by a parent in your life. Maybe you were hurt by a church. Maybe you were hurt by a pastor. Maybe you were hurt by some sort of authority figure in your life. And so it has led you to the conclusion that I cannot trust and I cannot be obedient to leadership. I cannot trust what they're saying to me. I I, I can't give myself over because last time I was manipulated. Last time I was hurt. Last time I was taken advantage of. Sam, how could you ask me to be obedient to leaders? How could you, let alone ask me to be obedient to bad leaders in my life? Let me let you in on a little fact that I've learned in my life is that I've learned some of the greatest principles from the worst leaders. Guess what? The leaders in your life are not in charge of what you get out of an experience with a bad leader or a good leader. You and the Holy Spirit get to dictate what you're going to get out of it. And so you might have a leader who's doing it all wrong, but the whole time the Lord is saying, hey, this is how I want you to do it. This is how I want you to lead. This is how I want you to take charge. This is how I want you to run it. This is how, look right here, this, this right here, I, I want you to be able to acknowledge you have that same heart as well. We need to get to that right now where you're at right now. You and the Holy Spirit are in charge of what you're going to get out of it. But I think we would rather spend our time complaining and gossiping and talking, oh, my gosh, the, the boss, and he, he just always, he never cares about me. He never thinks anything about me. And so you leave away from jobs. You leave away from places where you served at. You leave away from places thinking, I got nothing out of it because they were so terrible. And God was saying the whole time, I had a pool of knowledge and wisdom for you the whole entire time, and you just never took it because you were so concerned with complaining. Your past pain doesn't exempt you from the command to obedience. 
as hard to, it's hard to digest, but I'm going to follow up with it. If your past pain doesn't exempt you, listen, you guys might think, Sam, that's so unfair. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what people have done to me. You don't know the pain and the hurt that I've been through. No, 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 I don't know. But your past pain doesn't exempt you from the command to obedience. It's a command. It's not a request. Therefore, your past pain doesn't exempt you from the promises of God. See, you can allow your past pain to, to stop you from obedience, which would then stop you from being able to see the promises of God in your life. But I need for the church to be able to know that your past pain and your past hurt and your past failures and the places where people hurt you and the places where people manipulated you and the places where people use you, all of those things cannot stop you from seeing the promises of God on your life. And so we say to fear, you got to go. I'm no longer afraid of authority. I'm no longer afraid that my life might have to change. I know my life will change. And so I step into it boldly. The second thing that I think stops us from our obedience is pride. Pride. This is a tough one. Because we think we know best. <laughs> because because we, think, we think if I was in leadership, I would do it this way. Because we think I'm smarter and I'm more knowledgeable and I'm older and I'm more experienced. And, and we, think, we think me, 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 me. My pride will stop me from obedience. I don't know if you've ever been in a moment or a place where someone was telling you to do something and it just really irked you. <laughs> a lot of times this is my pride test. I'm just going to throw this out there. This is my pride test. If, if someone asks me to do something and it bothers me and my first resort is to look for all the ways that that leader is bad, that's probably my pride. If, I, if a leader's asking me to do something and the first thing I think of is they're inadequate, they're not a good leader, why are they a leader, why do they have the right to tell me what to do? They're not as knowledgeable about, about this as me. They're not as wise as me. I've been through this. If that's, if that's my countenance, most likely it's pride. But the scriptures are true. They say you've got to submit. But the scriptures are still true. They say you should serve your earthly master as if you're serving me. But our pride oftentimes will stop us from doing that. Our pride in turn will stop us also from allowing God to take charge in our life. Many times we come into a space like this where God is ready to encounter us and ready to change things in our life, but the whole time we're holding on and saying, no, I'm going to take care of it, God. No, God, I know what's best. No, God, I know how it should look. I know how it should go. And the whole entire time, God is fighting with you to get your problems. God is fighting with you to get away your stress. God is fighting with you to get away your expectations so he can change them and reverse them and turn them in a totally different direction. He's wanting to fight your battles, but you just won't give them to him because of your pride. I know it's hard. I, too, this whole entire week, all of these three principles played out in my life. <laughs> and I had to think, wow, how can I preach it if I don't live it? <laughs> how can I preach it if I walk around prideful? Give God all of it away. See, our obedience has little to do with how tough we are and everything to do with how much we trust him. See, your pride is about how tough you are. I'm tough enough. I'm strong enough. I know how to do this. I've done this before. But our obedience isn't about how tough you are. It's about how much you truly trust in God. Would you trust in God today? 
my third and final point, my, the third thing that I believe keeps us from obedience is disbelief. Disbelief. This is one of my favorite ones to talk about because for me, I had to come to a very honest and open place with God about the things that I believed and the things I didn't believe. Disbelief. See, we trust in things that we believe in. You trust that some of you guys went and grabbed some coffee from over there. Great, great coffee. Great job to the hospitality team. You guys are awesome. Make perfect coffee every week. Here's the deal. You trusted that that coffee was going to give you energy. So you drank it. Some of us, we trust that, that hey, this specific medication right here will help cool my anxiety. And so what? You take the medication. You trust in specific tools. You trust in specific ways or, or ideologies because you believe they work. And then it comes down to God and his obedience. And we, if we were being honest with ourselves, maybe we just don't believe that obedience really works. Maybe we don't believe that obedience to God really is going to change things in our lives. Because I believe God has been telling several of us to do things and to step on obedience for such a long time now. And we've just been neglecting it and pushing it away and pushing it away and pushing it away. I don't want to deal with it. I don't even want to look over there in that direction. I don't even want to acknowledge it. Why? Because you don't believe. If you really believe that obedience would produce promises in your life, guess what? We'd be obedient every time he said for us to do something. But why do we not? This is a question I hope that someone goes and ponders and thinks today. I never want to be a person who just feeds you this and say, believe this. You've got to believe it for yourself. Because the promises of God most likely can't be unlocked by the people to your right or to your left. They may spur on the promises of God. They may encourage you to go out and take captive the promises of God. But the faith and the belief of the people who are around you, that won't. That won't get you to the promises of God. It's your own belief. You've got to believe in your own self. And even right now as I'm speaking, you might be thinking, I still don't know if I believe. And I've realized that I can say all the persuasive things. I can say all the facts and everything. And people are not moved by facts. But they're moved by testimony. They're moved by stories. They're moved by a move of God taking over someone's life, someone actually stepping out and being obedient. And that person seeing the promises of God. And maybe you're like Prince. I've known Prince for three years now. It's been great. I remember our first, our first dinner date we went on, it was great. Went to Gastro Fireplace, I believe it was. Got some chicken sandwiches. But, but Prince, <clears throat> Prince I've known for, for several years, and Prince has a story about, when he stepped out in obedience and saw the promises of God, will you share with him? Um, I remember this day so vividly. I first started coming to Authentic, and I remember I got back um, like August, September, and I remember Mac was giving a sermon. At the end of a sermon, he challenged us to read John 15. And John 15, the first thing Jesus says is that he's the vine and we're the branches, and it can't bear fruit unless you abide in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And I remember the Lord, that's like the first time I ever heard the Lord speak to me. He was like, you need to say right now, I surrender my life to you. And I was like, I'm not doing it. I was like, that Sunday, I was like, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to do it at all. I was like, and all those three things that you said, I was scared. I was like, God, I want to believe. I want to trust in you. But at the same time, I kind of want to live my same life over here. I was like, I know I can be lukewarm and do it. 
And you know, like, when, you, when someone's speaking to you, like, this wrestles with you, like, it wrestles with you at night. You just can't sleep. That happened to me. And so the next Sunday I came, the same exact word was spoken over me. And I was like, God, if I give my life to you right now, this better be good. And so <laughs> I know. Who, who was I to say that to God? You know, and I remember saying it. And ever since then, I've been baptized. My life has been changed for the better. I've been leading other people to Christ. Not because of my own doing, but what God did. And the fear that kept me back for those two weeks was because, like, God, I don't know if I can trust in you. And one thing I wanted, out of all that I want to add on, God would not let you let go of something if he wasn't going to give you anything better. God will always provide better than what he's telling you to let go of right now. So praise God for that. Thank you, Prince. Maybe for you, it starts with words. Speaking words and saying, God, I trust you. Maybe that's your step of faith today. It's saying, God, I'm letting go. I know this feels uncomfortable. I know I'm afraid. I don't want to say these words. God, it better be good when I say it. And look at that smile on Prince's face. You can tell it's been good. Maybe your step of obedience had to do with your family. And family's hard. Family can be tough because you love them so much and sometimes expectations aren't met. Sometimes they do things that you, you just think in your head, why? Sometimes there's deep-rooted pain, and maybe your story is like Rosie's story. Rosie, will you share some of your story? So my life has been a little difficult with my mother, um, and so it's, there's been a lot of pain, a lot of hurt in that. Um, and so I thought I had forgiven, and yet... As she's gotten older and started needing me more, it became more apparent that I had not forgiven. And so I became angry and just bitter and frustrated that she was never there, but now she was expecting me to be there. And so at the beginning of the year, we started the Daniel Fast. And, you know, just constantly connecting with God, um, he said to me, are you ready? And I didn't know what that meant, but I had a vision of hands sticking out and just blessing pouring into my hands. And so I said, yes, I'm ready. I'm tired of being hurt. I'm tired of being angry. I am ready. And so it has not been easy. Um, In order to have freedom and healing, there has to be a lot of teardown. And so he's walking me through that teardown right now. Um, but he continues to be faithful to show me that he loves me, that he's with me, that he hears my prayers and he sees my, my tears and he is healing me. And in that obedience, as hard as it is, my biggest prayer as a parent is that my children will follow and be obedient to Christ. And so a couple of uh, Mondays ago, uh, Pastor Sam and a couple of other people from the church um, came and prayed over me about my children, and that has just been just the biggest thing in my heart for a long time. And so my son and his girlfriend has started coming, and the girlfriend said, you know, we just realized that this is important for us to be here every Sunday. So praise God on that. Um, So she's going to start asking for Sundays to be off. But then yesterday, I was just like in tears at a restaurant because I had breakfast with one of my daughters, and she has been more of the one fighting me and 
almost mocking my faith here recently. And so she got a job at a doctor's office that she said to me, you will be so happy about this, mother. And I was like, oh, well, okay, what's going on? And she's like, we start every morning with devotion. And my mother's like, okay. They pray nothing but Christian music, and the doctor prays over us every morning individually. And her eyes got so teary-eyed. I was, I was like, praise God. And so she said, I called my sister, and I said, golly, I can't get away from this. It's like it's everywhere I turn. It's there in my face. And I just told her, I said, Mama's been praying so hard. So pray God, praise God. Obedience is bringing, is bringing blessing to my children. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come on. There's hard things that you might do in your life. Forgiveness, healing, these are not easy things. When we take steps of obedience, Watch it begin to transcend through generation to generation to generation to generation. My story is a similar one. Got my beautiful wife over here. She's awesome. She's wearing green today. She said, I'm not going to be matching you today. I said, it's okay. It's okay. I love it. I love it. You look beautiful. And our relationship hasn't always been easy. We started our relationship 2016, started dating. Things were going great, long distance. And then one day she comes to me and she says, hey, Sam, sends me a text. She says, hey, we got to talk later. This is the worst text to receive in your life. Like, you're in a relationship, and everybody, hey, we got to text later. And then, like, you don't text for, like, four hours. I'm like, what's going on? Did she not like me? What happened? I thought I was cute. I don't know. <laughs> so we hop on the phone call, and she says to me, she says, Sam, I like you. And I was like, oh, well, good. Whew. That abrases me for what's about to happen next. So she tells me, she says, Sam, the thing is, is my family, they're not comfortable with me being in an interracial relationship. They, they, they aren't comfortable with, with, with you being a black male and me dating you. And I said to her on the phone, I said, oh, okay, that's, a, that's great. I thought you didn't like me. I said, we're all good. She said, she said Sam, wait, hold up. You, you don't understand. You, you don't understand. They, they, don't, they don't want you to be with me. And I said, I said, oh, we'll see. So time goes by, and I go out, and I meet her family, sit down with her father and her mother. As they tell me for an hour plus why I'm not the perfect, suited, perfect person for her, their daughter. And at the end of the conversation, her dad says something to me. He says, you're different than I thought you were. I can tell that your family raised you well, but you'll never be good enough for my daughter. I walked away and I went and told everybody about it and excitedly waiting for them. They, they were like, Sam, I'm so sorry. And I said, wait, wait, you didn't hear him. He said, I'm different. I'm better than he thought that I was. What are you talking about? This is awesome. And like, Sam, you're just not getting it, dude. He doesn't like you. And this would activate months, matter of fact, two and a half years of pain, of long distance, of moments when we couldn't even talk to each other, of threats, of raised voices, of crying, of some really ugly and hurtful words said about me. And the whole entire time, I felt in my heart, God has a promise for me. And he said, be obedient. 
And so we took steps of obedience. We took steps of obedience like we didn't talk to each other for a whole entire week. We took steps of obedience where we actually broke up. Many of you guys never knew that. Here it is, right here, TMZ, Michaela and I. We broke up for a whole entire three months it was at the time. There were moments where we didn't talk on the phone. We didn't see each other for six months. We asked her parents, how can we be obedient to you and still be together? And everyone else around me thought, you're crazy. You don't deserve this. They slandered him. They talked mean about him. They talked bad about him. But the whole time, God gave me the grace, and he said, you don't have to be angry. And so I was never angry. Some of the people in this room were there with me in those moments. And they remember, I was never angry. And there was one day when Michaela was in worship, and she had a vision. And the vision, she calls me immediately after. She says, Sam, I saw in this vision, your family was here, my family was here, and we were together. And it almost looked like there was some sort of a wedding or some sort of a celebration. And at the time, this seemed impossible. At the time, nobody would have, would have even believed that this was a possibility. We had never seen this. And I knew that God had a promise for us. And so steps of obedience to her family, even when it wasn't fair. Steps of obedience to God, even when I said, God, why would you do this to me? Steps of obedience and steps of obedience until one day I went to her father. I sat him down and I said, I'd like to marry your daughter. And he looks at me. He says, Samuel, before you go any further, I want you to know I'm sorry for everything I ever said about you. He said, Samuel, I'm sorry for how I treated you. He said, I was totally wrong about you the entire time. From this day on, you and Michaela have my, me and my wife's support. We love you. Whatever you need, we have it for you. You're my son. I love you. Can we put that picture up right there? Can we put the picture up of our wedding? It shows us all right there, all together. Boom, there it is. My family, her family, living there in unity because of a promise from God that he said, if you'll stay obedient, if you'll keep on pushing in, this is what I'll bless you with. And some people are in the room today who have been given a promise and you haven't seen it and you haven't taken the steps of obedience to be able to see it. What I want you to know is your obedience pays off even when it's hard, even when it's challenging, even when you don't want to do it. Your obedience pays off and the promises of God are for you. Your obedience is laying a pathway to the promises of God in your life. Keep on seeking him. Keep on pressing in. Keep on praising him with everything that you have. Here's what I want you to do. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet right now. Come on, I'm ready to unlock some promises. Who's ready to unlock some promises? Who's ready for some of those promises to flow through your life? Here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment to pray with you right down here. Don't miss this moment. It's not because of man, but it's because of God. I'm going to be right down here. Pastor Mac and a few others will be right down here. We want to pray for those steps of obedience. But here's what I want to do. I want to place up on this screen. These are some things I've been praying over you guys for this week. I've been praying for you this week. Maybe you didn't know it. But we can place that, we can place that, next, that next screen right up there. And on this screen, it has a couple of some prompts. There it is. Some things that I prayed over you guys this week that I'm believing for some specific people in this room. My stamina to be obedient is growing. Before, you could only be obedient for one day. But now some people's stamina is about to last a, life, a, long, a, a lifetime. 
God's grace and love are still present in my disobedience. The lie that the, that the enemy is trying to tell you, that God doesn't want you when you're disobedient, stops right here. I will trust God and not my own understanding. There's some things that you've been trying to rationalize in your mind and say, this doesn't make sense. And he's about to show you what trusting him will do if you trust him before leaning on your own understanding. It's scriptural, Proverbs chapter 3. Fear, pride, and disbelief will not stop me from seeing the promises of God. I don't know which one it was for you, but I'm ready to unlock some promises in your life right now. I've been praying for this moment right here. So I'm going to pray over us. Maybe you want to engage in this prayer right here and praying this over yourself. Take a personal moment with God. And I want to see you right down here because I want to pray with you. Let me pray for us all. God, we trust you. God, we trust you. We're obedient to you. Even in the hardest moments. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when when our steps of obedience seem like they're, they're not paying off. Father, we trust you. We'll be obedient because we know that there are promises you have for us. Because I know that my obedience can transcend, can create promises for the rest of my family and the generations to come after me. Father, right now, would you just begin to move in people's hearts? You're already doing it. Draw them right now in the name of Jesus. Not to an obedience that's wrapped up in wrath, but an obedience that's wrapped up in your love.